This is A Smaller Life, a podcast about making more conscious and more ethical choices within our crafts. Hosted by me, Saskia de Feiter. I'm a small business owner who wants to grow by going smaller. Together with local makers, I make tools, yarns and accessories for knitters that want to buy less, buy better, make more and make it last. Keeping away the overwhelm and all the ridiculousness of overconsuming within our crafts. In the podcast, I endeavor to answer the question we ask ourselves before we start a project. What do we buy? Where do we buy? Who do we buy from? Or don't we buy at all? But use what we already have. Because when you think about what you do, you take more time and end up with less of everything. As a result, you'll get a smaller life. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you to Saskia Maas. Um, she's a yarn dyer and her brand is called Ovis Etc. Ovis being the Latin name for sheep. And she has such interesting things to say about why she chooses to do certain things in her business. And that goes from choosing the base of the yarn to the techniques she uses for dyeing. Uh, the kind of products that she has. She's super knowledgeable and also is a queen of conscious decisions within her business. I wish you lots and lots of fun listening to Saskia and, and Saskia. Hi, Saskia. Hello. Good <laughs> to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yay. <laughs> a duo. Yes. Um, we were just talking before we started recording, reminiscing about the festivals where we have worked together. And uh, it's actually really funny because we didn't really know each other. And then we spent a week in my camper van together. <laughs> <laughs> so it was super intense right from the start but yes. uh we stayed really good friends and i wish i could see you more obviously but um that was so cool yeah it was. good memories yeah yeah well let's first be before we start sharing our memories with everybody <laughs> let's first start with introducing you um could you tell the people the good people a little bit about who you are and what you do for a living Um, or not for a living depends how I spend my life <laughs> yes okay um well I was born in Breda and that's in the south of Holland near the Belgian border and now I live again near a border but uh in Germany close to the Dutch border but then on the the total north of Holland and then just a hop over the border that's where I live for college I went to art well first I I um Uh, did horticultural college and I became a florist. Um, after that, I went to art school where I studied photography. Then I did uh, loads of things that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that didn't, that, that don't have anything to do with what I'm doing now. And now I have, I have a day job. Uh, next to my yarn business uh, and my day job is I sell houseplants and so that relates to my florist background and then I'm uh, a yarn dyer as well. And how did you become a yarn dyer? How did you? I became like I think many people nowadays thankfully became more conscious about the things that I was using so with yarn as well and I couldn't really find a lot of yarn or it wasn't I mean of course I could find it but it, I, I noticed that the yarn that I considered to be good and nice wasn't very widely available that's a totally different story now because there's a lot there that really really changed over the last few years but back then it was very superwash orientated um And I definitely didn't want to, uh, I knew back then that I definitely didn't want to sell superwash yarn. Can you and shortly explain what superwash yarn is and why you don't like it that much? Be, 
uh, superwash is yarn that's chemically treated, uh, so it won't felt. But the whole characteristic of wool is that it can capture uh, air, and that's how that's why wool is so warm. And uh, superwash, it you have diff. There's different methods to make a yarn superwash, uh, either uh, by chemically taking the scales of the of the of the yarn or the hair shaft, or coating it in a layer of plastic basically uh which yeah this, also, this always <laughs> makes me laugh like, it, why? yeah it defeats the complete i mean i i maybe i'm a bit extreme but i i wouldn't even call superwash yarn wool well especially if it's coated in plastic then it's got nothing to do with wool anymore it, it has lost all the good properties of wool yeah yeah and i don't like i think a lot of people have no idea. They just no. think, but I want to, I just want to wash the wool. Yes. Um, I want to be able to wash the wool because they have brought up with the idea that everybody, everything that they use and their bodies has to be cleaned every other second, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be put in the washing machine. Yeah. Yes. And that's practical. But what's the alternative? Do, do we have to wash our wool? No, wool wool stays clean longer. It has it has a self cleaning. Uh, how do you say that? Self cleaning. Yes, exactly. Uh, so you it, it, you can air it out. And well, I myself still, when it then is necessary to wash it, I still do put my woolens in the washing machine on a wool setting, uh, and that works perfectly fine. But no, you don't. You absolutely don't need to wash your. Your woolen socks you can wear several times uh, before they need to be washed. Yeah, I think yeah. for lots of people that's like, oh, gross. But really dive into that and listen to what Saskia is saying. Wool really has this self-cleaning property and yeah. it, airing it out is is enough for at least, well... That's different for a lot of people. Like I know people that never wash their sweaters and they just hang them out or I put them in the snow when we had snow. snow. Mm-hmm. With socks, I can understand if at a certain point you're like, I really kind of want to wash my socks now just for my mental comfort. Yeah. <laughs> but if you really know what wool does, you you don't really need to wash it. Not that often. No. Not and for Not for... Of course, when you get mud or... or like stains, yeah. Yes, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, what's also important is that from the perspective of a yarn company, you would choose Superwash because you want to sell your yarn and you know that your customers want that. But you and I, we think differently we think like the opposite way. We know things and we want to share that knowledge and hopefully people will change their ways because of it. Um, But I remember hearing somebody say, and this is relatively new to me, that the superwash yarn takes up the dye a lot better than... absolutely. Is that true? Absolutely, yes. All the speckles... uh, No, I mean, there is people who who do speckles on non-superwash yarn, but the really, really sharp, tiny little speckles and really... Um, the bright color pops. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's just looks the best on superwash yarn. And that, that that's just a fact. And yeah. so certain dyers with a certain style choose superwash super yarn because of that, because it, it, it's, it's their style. It's their, their, their style of dyeing is suited for... And it yeah. would look completely different if they would switch to non-superwash. Yeah, but you work more from the bottom up. So you, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, yeah. but so you look at the basis first, where the yarn comes from, what type of base it is, and then go from there. Yes. Um, is that true? Yeah, as well. And also my, my dye, I chose the, 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 the brand and the type of dye that I use. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about how do you find your bases? Do you go up to a farmer and say, I like your sheep? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds almost creepy. <laughs> hey, dude, 
I like your sheep. Can I come over with my scissors? Uh, so no, no, I don't do that. I would love to start doing that though. Well, not not <laughs> not not in a <laughs> not in a creepy way like that, but. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would love to, uh, for, for, well, for as long as I've had my yarn business, I thought I didn't want to do that, but now I've, I've come to kind of. You want to work together with the, far, with well, the. Well, and more, be, yes, and have more, be more in control of the, of the yarn basis. I would, yes, so I would definitely like to do that in the future, but up until now, I, uh, no, I haven't, and I get my yarn uh, yarns from as many, yeah, how do you say that, wholesale uh, uh, or mills. Uh, just I want to have as many sources as possible, actually. I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket, uh, mm. so to speak. Yeah. So I get them from loads of different places. So why is that? Maybe I like to collect just as many yarns that I like and that fits my philosophy of my, or my my business's philosophy and i i almost admire yarn dyers that just have like four bases or yeah even 10 bases i don't know and i always think oh but that's nice oh and that's nice and that's nice and that's nice but the yarns do need to fit my philosophy if you want to build or grow your business in textile crafts, why don't you join our online community for the small monthly contribution of only 10 euros, which is basically $10-ish. You get to hang out, learn from, and share your business and your personal craft journey with all the lovely people there. Support the podcast at the same time, and you get everything wrapped into one loving package. I would love to welcome you there. Go to patternshift.fm and click community. And while you're there, sign up for our emails so you'll never miss a thing. How did I do that? What is your yarn-based philosophy and how do you pick them? Uh, in the beginning, it was just uh, being non-superwash and being relatively local. Uh, I do have an exception to that or a few exceptions to that though. But uh, in the beginning, I still had, uh, for example, sock yarn, which was non-superwash, but still had nylon in it. And I also stopped selling that because I just wanted to be completely plastic free and nylon is plastic. So now all my yarn bases are non-superwash and uh, nylon free. So just all natural materials. I have a few Dutch yarns. I have British yarns. I have my silk yarn is from Switzerland. Um, and I do have a few yarns which are the wool and comes from South America. And it's also spun in South America. But those yarns have rami uh, added, which I find just very special special and and they're just really nice yarn bases and because i like the yarn bases so much and because the rami uh, rami is a plant fiber which is very strong it it it's almost a bit like hemp but rami is uh, related to the nettle family so it substitutes na- nylon um, right and so the yarns with the rami in it uh, are very good for sock yarns, but they're just overall very nice yarns for basically everything. So just shortly for um, listeners that are not great uh, knitters, we tend to want to use nylon in uh, sock knitting mostly because uh, it helps us to uh, improve the durability. So uh, less holes, less heels and toes that are poking out. And so this is a whole discussion, right? In the sock knitting world, like, do we, uh, do we want the socks to last longer so that they're more, I don't know, sustainable in that way? Or don't we want to use anything that is man-made and not 
helping the environment in the process and as a product. So I have spent some time learning about this and I have used your sock yarn and I've actually also even used merino yarn for socks, which they say the fiber's way too short and you uh, you cannot use merino for sock yarns unless there's nylon in there or something. But there's so much that you could do to make your socks more wearable, like tighter knitting, um, yeah. make them fit better, make your shoes fit better, make sure that you don't walk on your uh, stone floor at home. Like there's all these different things that can really help um to make your socks last longer but this rami is is amazing and uh silk as well we do have natural fibers that that improve the durability of our socks yes and the way of spinning as well if uh, if yarn is spun with a high twist it's also uh, more durable yeah one day one day i'll 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 put on my ballsy hat and I'll ask Clara Parks if she wants to come in and talk about sock knitting. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> one day. Be nice. Be nice. Everyone Actually, react to this podcast and, and leave yeah. messages and say, yes, yes, get Clara. And then I'll knock on her door and I'll ask her. <laughs> you can't now though, because you can't, you can't fly over to America at the moment. No, but this is like maybe on the in the future. No, oh, but yeah, I'm but, here for the podcast. Yeah, but you can't literally knock on her door. That's wrong. No, no, <laughs> there's not a lot of literal things going on. No, no, no I will no. just make a knock noise and on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I, I, I actually have have one more thing to say about uh, like non superwash and and no nylon uh, sock yarn versus. Because I, the people I, I've also read and heard a lot of people who are so used to superwash nylon sock yarn mm-hmm. that then for the first time knit socks uh, out of non-superwash yarn, and then when you wear the socks wherever there's friction, so under your heel or under the ball of your foot, they say, oh, but immediately my socks felt and I didn't even put them in the washing machine yet. And they've already felt just by wearing them. Mm-hmm. But that's actually not felting. So that actually says that people are not used to how wool behaves. Because yes, when there's friction, then wool kind of becomes one all the little strands become one and it's called matting and which makes your socks stronger so under yeah all those places that have friction and your sock mats makes your sock stronger such good information so don't panic when you (laughs) (laughs) when you wear your non-superwash socks for the first time and you take them off and and you see that happening because that's actually good. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, no, no. That's why you're here because I know you know so much about this. And so you share a lot of values uh, with me when it comes to uh, locally produced and animal friendly and um, all those kinds of things. So you try to buy as local as you can. And then I always say, we live in Holland. Holland is mm-hmm. super small. Yes. Local to a Dutch person is something else than local to an American person. So in my opinion, I think Europe feels like locally enough when it comes to yarn and wool. Because in the Netherlands, we don't have as many types of sheep or do we? We do, but I'm absolutely no sheep expert. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I know, I know the, the, I know a bit of the breeds that I, that my yarn. Uh, yeah, that's from. what I want to know about the oh, ones okay. you got from the Netherlands. Okay, well, Shetland, I have Tesselaar. Uh, oh, wait, yeah, well, Shetland is not a Dutch breed. There you go. It's not there a Dutch go. breed. But they live here. They live in Holland. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Tesla is a very Dutch sheep, though, and uh, that's what I think English-speaking people call Texel. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, the, I mean, I like 
obviously I, I like it, otherwise I wouldn't sell it. But Tesla wool isn't the most nice or soft or it's just, it's, it, it isn't. No. And I think a lot of people that buy Tesla yarn from like non-Dutch people who buy Tesla yarn, mostly buy it for the name. I have the feeling. Yeah. Because it sounds exotic which sounds weird because it sounds everything but exotic to us but it (laughs) but it no but tesla is i mean yeah again i i I sell it i like it i have tesla socks myself which i absolutely love but it's 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 absolutely not the nicest uh wool that i can think of far from yeah exactly like you could totally scrub your skin with it and then have like really soft skin (laughs) Yes, yes. <laughs> but isn't it like an acquired taste, though? Like if you if you get into all this nitty gritty of the of the yarn and fiber world, you learn so much about wool and its properties. And then, if you knit a lot or if you work with wool, you you get cu- curious and you want to know what properties, what kind of sheep uh, or fiber has and then um if you know more you know what to use what kind of fiber for so definitely i would never knit a tessellar shawl or or scarf around my neck because that's quite sensitive but socks yes definitely oh yeah absolutely Absolutely. yeah yeah Yeah. so and and shetland uh i think i consider shetland a very soft wool Uh, yes me too yeah but I think the general public uh, talks about it as if it's really itchy. I, I I really wish that I would love to give people like a, like a tasting platter, like a smorgasbord <laughs> of different types of fiber and let them try it out and really get the feel for this whole world that's out there. And that's what I love so much about all your bases. They have all these uh, characteristics and you you tie them together in the collection so well, they all really look like Ovis et cetera yarn, even though the base is so different. And you do that by dyeing your yarns a certain way. Let's dive a little deeper into that. Um, your colors are amazing. They're so typically you, but people often think there's something that they're not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I, I kind of focus on that my yarns are very consciously dyed and consciously sourced and environmentally friendly. So people then think that, uh, that I use natural dyes. And also I think because of the use of colors, I think that they... I think so. Yeah, I, I remember I, saying I that to you and you're like, oh, really? Because I feel like your colors really remind me of naturally dyed yarns. This is specific specific palette. Mm-hmm. And they look like they might have been dyed in a natural way. Yeah, but which, which it, it, it it sounds funny to me it's because a I lie. don't. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a lie. It is. It, it, but yeah, and I I really on festivals as well. Again, when we could still go to festivals, people often are like, "Oh, is it natural? Naturally dyed? No. Oh, I thought you you did natural dyeing, but." No, I don't. I use an acid dye, but I use a environmentally friendly acid dye, and it's GOTS certified. Doesn't contain any heavy metals. And my brand, that the brand that I use, it's it's greener shades dyes actually. It only comes in nine colors, and it's the primary color, so uh, yellow, blue, and red. And then all the complementary colors in between. So orange, purple, green, and black. That's basically it. When I started dyeing, I never really went for a certain color palette. And to be honest, I remember when, when we went to Yarndale, which was, no, it wasn't my, it was my, only my second yarn show but the one before was just i had i had a tiny little stall and it was just it was just it was tiny and yarndale was the actual proper proper stand it oh, was we had such a pretty spot it looked yes. so good and it was big it was it was really big <laughs> absolutely and i remember for the first time 
which was kind of weird for the first time seeing my yarn on display in such a way. And I thought, oh, I only saw my yarn at home in in bins in like and I I was so afraid that it wasn't cohesive because I never went for that wow I know it I I never I just dye whatever I like I like oh I like this color so I'll dye that I try to dye that well your taste is very cohesive apparently because I remember seeing it all hanging there and I thought oh so sexy It's it's it does all fit together nicely. Oh, and I was I was so relieved because I thought it was going to be a hot mess of colors together. <laughs> so funny! It's so yes. funny that you say that because I never, never, never thought that. Like I think it's one of your strong points, actually. Yeah, but I never did that on purpose. So I it it, it feels like a lucky accident almost. So it is natural. In a way. I guess, yes, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But um, let's get back to that uh, God certified green way of dyeing, because I think a lot of people have the impression that natural, natural dyeing has to be good for the environment. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in a way, in a way it is, of course, but those plants or whatever, yeah, whatever is used also has to grow. So it also uses resources. I'm not definitely not a natural dye expert. So, but what I know of it is to dye in a natural way, it costs a lot of heat. Most of the time it needs to simmer for a very long time, which uses a lot of heat. It uses a lot of water because you need to rinse it a lot. Then you need to set the dye, not always, but in most cases, you need to set the dye with a mordant, which again uses water and again uses heat. So it's a long process, which is beautiful, of course. It's very slow and, and it is fascinating, but it's absolutely not the most environmentally friendly way of dyeing that you can think of. I very consciously chose to dye the way I dye because with acid dyes you only need to bring the water up to a certain heat which is just below uh, uh, boiling temperature and when it's there it's there you can just you can turn the heat off and it, yeah. it's it's set the the dye is set and and when you make sure your uh, all your your color is being i don't know how to explain it correctly uh, it the water can become clean basically oh absolutely yes yes Yes. so when you don't use too much dye so that all the the yarn can soak up all the dye then you only need a little rinse because there's nothing to rinse out of the only reason i rinse is to to kind of uh neutralize the acidity because you dye in very acidic water and when you rinse i use a bit of soap and which makes it kind of neutral again. Yeah. Uh, so can I go back to one one step back? Is when you use that acidity, it could be either citric acid or vinegar, and yes. vinegar smells a little bit more. But if everything you have left from that process, you can, without any harm to the environment or not a lot of harm, you can just. Uh, throw it out you know yes but the um, the mordants you use in the natural dye process not all of them i know but some of them are basically heavy metals yes and you have to dispose of them in a very conscious manner Mm -hmm. i don't know enough about that but yeah i yeah it the the chemicals that are being used for natural dyeing, which you don't have to, but some, with some colors you do because otherwise they fade. It's it sounds very counter. You use something natural, but you need something unnatural. You and then again, you can also use net like uh, soy milk, but then soy I don't think is the most environmentally yeah. crop to. I'm so going to invite a natural dyer and ask them about how they do it the most conscious way possible. Yeah. Because I know a little bit about the process, uh, both processes. 
And I know these lovely, lovely people that use the natural dye process that have a lot of values like we do. So I'm sure they've found ways to make the impact a little less. But I can totally see why you've chosen to go in this direction. Yeah, and so you you com- you mix the colors like you said there are eight eight colors. Yeah, nine co- yeah with black nine colors. Mm, yeah, yeah. So they they all have to they they all have to be mixed in order to <laughs> to become a, a nice like just the plain colors are just very Crayola like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you describe the type of colors that you make? What they look like? Maybe mention some colors. Uh, I think clay and toffee are very me, I think. Yeah. I think all my colors are kind of, have a kind of dustiness about them. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Jeans, jeans type of colors, like worn jeans. Yes. Yeah. Which actually a color, a color way of mine is literally called favorite jeans. So they, it does have the color of worn jeans. Yeah. And it looks like in the combination with these clay type colors, it does look at my, like it might have been the blue. Help me out. Oh, indigo. Indigo. Yes. Oh, so okay. you, you get that whole feeling with the combined palette of it's definitely, it has that aesthetic. So that's what I love about your work that you, the aesthetic of the natural linen, clay like hand thrown pottery that whole vibe your yarns have that while you've spent so much time on making these decisions to do it the best way you can with respect for uh, the environment and I think that is really admirable thank you I kind of find it funny to hear your description of my colors because I never I never went for that feeling like I said I never I never thought, oh, I'm going to go for the clay, clay throwing linen vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Time for a message from our sponsor. AM Art and Stationery is fresh and crispy like a new sheet of white paper before you take out your snazzy fountain pen and write about your heart's desires. Whether you'll be writing a love letter or if you are reconnecting with a long lost friend, amstationery.com has got the most amazing hand-drawn and hand-lettered designs. My favorites are in the Galaxy collection. The letterhead sheets can even be customized with your initials. And if you need a custom order, Ali can do it. If you want to order, but if you don't have anyone to write to, she's got you covered. AM Stationery's pen pal matching service will match you to your new best friend. You can write about letters and pens and papers and inks and... Oh, gosh, I think I need a match, too. Plant your flag at amstationary.com and land some of those moon papers right now. I never thought, oh, I'm going to go for the clay, clay throwing linen vibe. (laughs) 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 So it just happened. Like, I don't know. It just... It's it's who you are. I guess. I don't know. You are a lover of nature, of plants. You have uh, a bunch of animals. Yeah, we have a tiny little doggy and two cats and five horses. Five horses. Yes, Icelandic horses and a Shetland pony. <laughs> <laughs> so that must take up a lot of time. It does as well, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know any better. Well, there was a time that I didn't have horses, of course. But So you have uh, a day job. You yes. have your yarn business. You have uh, like a, almost a farm. <laughs> what does a typical day look like at Ovis, etc.? Uh, well, I de- I'll, I'll tell you my ideal day. because def- <laughs> Yeah, let's do that. Focus on the ideal day. <laughs> my ideal day. My ideal day, my day job starts in the afternoon because I, de- I actually uh, always try to, most people like to be finished early so they have the afternoon off and I'm an absolute morning person. I always get up really early so I love to, uh, for my day job to start late. What's early? Well, I, usually I get up at six. That's early, yes. 
Um, so when I have when I have to start my day job at twelve, that means I have six hours, which is almost a full work day wow. left to spend. So that that's that's how I like to do it. And uh, while, for example, the pots are simmering, because the preparation of getting the actual yarn in the pot that takes up the most time. But when they're in the pot and when they're slowly getting to their the right temperature, that usually takes over half an hour then i can for example go and feed the horses or go and take the dog out so yeah i like i when i'm really busy finishing a whole wholesale order for example i i always uh, do yarn dyeing in the morning and uh, when it's a work day for my day job then i spend the rest of the day at my day job and i'm i'm not an evening person i can't do anything after when I come home from my day job, that no, that's it. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, yeah. So I, I like to spend my dying time either on my days off or before I have to go to work. Yeah. So if you, because you're a knitter too, as a, yes. a hobby knitter. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Um, do you do that at night? Can you? Do yes. you still have the brain power to do that at night? Yeah, I uh, or yeah, when I can stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> That's convenient. <laughs> when I can stay awake, then yes, then I'd like to knit in the but also also in the morning when I don't. I mean, I definitely don't dye yarn every single morning before I mm. go to work because. Mm. Uh, but if yes, then I do my knitting either in the morning before I go to work or in the evening after dinner. And what does your uh, workplace look like? Do you work in the house or? Yes. Yeah, just in the kitchen. Yeah. Really? In yeah, the I, kitchen? Yeah I, yeah, I don't have a fancy studio or nothing. No, it's just in. So I have to clean up everything after myself again. And wow. Yeah, the kitchen and the bathroom, all the all the, the rinsing of the yarn. Uh, and uh, in our house, the kitchen and the bathroom are literally next to each other, which is convenient. Yeah. So. Do yeah. you have like colored drops, like a, a track no, no, no. from the? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, not because what we just talked about when your, when all the dye goes into your yarn, yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no dye to be yeah. spilled. And that does mean that you have to be like yarn dyeing isn't hard, but doing those things to get them just right. Mm -hmm. That's where you get really uh, professional at it because when you dye in the beginning, you will still get a lot of color out of the skeins if you rinse them mm -hmm. and you have to really know the right temperatures and all these things. And you definitely will learn that by doing, I think. Is that how, how did you actually learn? First watching YouTube videos, literally. And then I just start doing it. I, I just did loads and loads and loads of, 10 gram skeins and yeah the mini skeins yeah and first and then then like oh when i put just a tiny little bit more green then and it just loads and loads and loads and loads trial of, and error yes the way i do my colors i and i think that's where my photography background comes in because if you well if you print color pictures i don't know i don't know if you've ever done that in, in no a black, not color in actually only black and white okay but it, it works the same as as basically uh editing a, a photo on the computer where mm -hmm. you take away a yellow uh hue or uh, when your picture is too blue or your picture can be too red and and the same is with yarn colors uh, I that's how I do my yarn colors if I have a certain co a, a color comes out of the pots I'm, I'm if I'm trying to get a certain color and I I see oh there is a bit too much yellow it, or the color looks too yellow for what I want then you can uh, add a bit of blue for example yeah, or yeah, yeah, you can yeah. take out a bit of yellow but I so I dye my yarns I guess the way you edit picture color pictures that's so fun that that's yeah. yeah so where did you where do you get your inspiration for colors um yeah you just mentioned nature and all but that that's funnily enough not where my inspiration comes from <laughs> uh it comes from fashion like 
uh, the color toffee. Yeah. I saw somebody with a coat walking uh, through the shop of my day job. And I said, oh, I thought, that's a nice color. And I, I remember that color and I tried to replicate, replicate it. So that's how toffee came to wow. be. So you don't think like, I would love to have a toffee colored sweater. I'm now making that color. No, Is because I saw no. I saw the color. I saw a coat. I saw somebody yeah. with a coat in that color. Yeah. And I think kind of the same was with clay. That was just a color that well, that there the fashion maybe comes in because that was just a color that you just saw a lot of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's like a pinkish, pinkish, sandish type, like color. a dir very dirty pink. Dirt yeah, dirty pink. Like it's yeah. basically the color of my walls, actually. <laughs> but nobody can see them so <laughs> yeah but you just saw that color around a lot yeah, and i like and yeah. i like the color so i thought well i and in the end that we what we make with yarn is gonna be fashion in a way you're yeah. gonna wear it so you wanna you want it to be fashionable colors that you that you also see in ready to wear clothes and yeah. uh as a yarn dyer Because we've talked to Brechtje earlier and she makes spindles. So we were talking about spinning and a lot of spinners spin for the sake of spinning. And then they have this skein of yarn and that's the finished object, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which is crazy for some people because they're like, no, that's when it starts. Then you start knitting or crocheting or weaving and that's when it starts. My question to you is, do you look at your yarn as a finished object Or do you have a vision of what it will become? Do you, do, or are there like two chapters or is it uh, a cocktail? It's <laughs> a, a little crazy, but maybe you know what I mean. Um, kind of, but I think both because a skein, sometimes a skein can be just very, very pretty as a skein and you would almost, you almost find it a shame to even make it into a yarn ball or into a cake. Yeah, I know Sometimes, what you mean. Yeah, and that's, that's that for all yarns that is, I think. Uh, but definitely also, uh, the, the colors need to be wearable. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think of the colors as like, oh, I would like to have garments or socks or yeah. uh, out of that color. You'd wear it. I would you, wear you'd it. You'd want to wear yes. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was wondering if we talked about speckles and you are not dyeing speckles and we talked about um, the technical reason behind that, but do you dye mostly solids, like one color or what do you yarn, does your yarn look like in terms of the way the color is spread in the skin? <laughs> Uh, my, most of my colors are solids or semi-solids or very mildly variegated. Yeah. They're, they're not they're not too wild. Not that you can't wear wild colors, but that's not my personal style and taste, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For socks, I I guess when I when I dye yarn with the idea that it's that it it could be a sock so the actual sock yarns i think that's a bit more fun to make the colors a bit more fun and um i also have yarns that uh, i dye with the shibori uh, style so they mm -hmm. have they have speckles but actually not that's because it was tied so that the yarn the color doesn't reach the base yeah exactly so they have Yeah, they have little non-dyed specks. The variegated colors are sparsely. I don't have a lot of them. And still the colors that are in those colorways all are kind of related. Yeah. Uh, are, yeah, so they're all or in, in the blue or greenish family together. Um, But they all have that quality of a hand-dyed yarn where it's not a solid color block. It, they all are very lively and... Uh, also, the, some of the yarns that you have have these little because of the way you mix you mix your colors. They have mm -hmm. this little bit of a 
tiny piece of color here and there that yes. looks like it's not supposed to be in there, but it's so characteristic. What, what is that about? That is, uh, that's actually just the dye comes in powder form. And those tiny little specks are actually little powdery bits that haven't, for some reason, have not been dissolved in the water and then stuck to the yarn. Yeah. And uh, and stay. I there. love them. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's what it is. So yeah. it's actually not. It's. I think. Oh my god! It, no, it, they're <laughs> great. They're like little giggles in the yarn. It's not. They're not supposed to be there, but yeah. Well, they, well, if you find one and you don't like it, you can just cut it and start knitting again. But I love them, um, and they're not like all over the yarn or anything. I just saw one or two and I really, <laughs> it's really fun now let's talk a little bit about sets because oh. I think we are both lovers of sets yes yeah I love them yeah me too yes <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah mini mini skein sets you mean or, yeah, yeah mini skein sets sense, or yeah. sometimes you do a fifth uh what is it uh 25 grams 25 grams or 50 50 shetland you had because i i used to sell saskia's yarn in my shop and um this is fun to talk about for me because the general customer let's just say the general customer is a little bit freaked out by set what are they for <laughs> what am i supposed to do with them and we like the sauces are the exact opposite we're like what can I make with this? Yeah, what can you not make? With yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So give us some ideas. Uh, well, I just heard you mention the Shetland 5050 sets are, they actually do have a purpose and that's uh, for the mittens or uh, color work mittens or a hat. You could also make hat out of it, but that's really, they're really, really suitable for color work. And with uh a set of two times 50 grams, you, that's perfect for a pair of mittens or a hat. So they do kind of have a specific pr purpose. But of course, you could also use it in a yo, just get a set and, uh, and, and, and use another yarn, uh, for the, the whole body and use those two colors in the yoke. That's possible as well. And then I also do mini skein sets. And for a long time, they, they didn't have any purpose or unlimited purposes, actually. Also, stripy socks or uh, shawl borders, sweater yokes, whatnot, uh, blankets. But a while back, uh, Cynthia, who's uh, from Cynthia on Instagram and Ravelry, uh, she actually bought a mini skein set, um, my mini skein set from you, which I thought was again a very nice connection again. Yeah. Uh, and she designs um, two bunnies and a full wardrobe for these bunnies with a mini skein set, using up as much as possible of this whole mini skein set, which I think, I mean, she's a genius. She is. <laughs> she's going to be on the podcast too later. Oh, great. Lovely. Um, so that that's a perfect purpose for if you really can't think of anything that, that all Cynthia's little creatures could be knit with with a mini skein set, basically. Um, but yeah, no, I yes, I love limitless I, possibilities. So yes. if you open up um, your head and uh, and just. Basically, just go to the Instagram accounts of Saskia and, and Cynthia. And if you find uh, hashtag miniskein or Pinterest, Revelry, oh, wherever yeah. you want to go, uh, find miniskein projects. And there's so much there. I also wanted to man mention the Skein Deers uh, pattern. She has really nice patterns that you can use uh Saskia's yarns with from mittens and stuff and you can also see on Saskia's Instagram account like examples of that do yeah. you actually look at the colors if they work together because that's like a whole different skill set right to know colors that will work together in color work mm -hmm. or yeah. do you just go like oh this is pretty <laughs> uh both as well actually I Again, looking at fashion, but also interior design, 
there's often like pillows or curtains that have a certain certain pattern with a combination of colors that I think, ooh, those colors look really, really nice together. That so that that's that's also where I get my inspiration from. It can it can literally come from the curtains anywhere. Um so I wanted to end with a little bit more of a businessy vibe. So we've spent a lot of time um talking about uh the artisanal side. So there's like uh your ideas for color, that's where your your artist wakes up and then your artisanal side where you like go behind the pots and make the thing, but then you need to sell it. Yeah. Now you have an online uh, web shop and we've mentioned yarn shows before mm-hmm. um, obviously there's not a lot of yarn shows right now and I used to sell your yarns in my shop um, we spend a lot of time talking about prices with uh, Brechtje and also uh, with other guests that are coming but I'm more interested this time to talk with you about how do you get your yarns out there? To be honest, it's just Instagram that is my uh, my my yeah shop window to the world. Exactly, yeah my 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 form of self promotion and marketing. I really should uh, get a newsletter out, and then not just one, but like. <laughs> monthly <laughs> yeah i should do that I've done a few but that that's already a lifetime ago but i yeah i need to get better at that and and i guess word of mouth uh yeah. as well and yarn shows i i oh i i never could have imagined that i would enjoy them as much as i have been before yeah. i started doing those because that's it th- those are just so fun yeah, they and, are. Uh, yeah, they're really, really. And I think it's so funny because I basically learned from you and from reading different books about the topic that although people might not see me as such, I am a total introvert as well as you are, I think. Yes, so absolutely. <laughs> we are completely knackered after all that communication with people and all the sounds and the colors and everything. But that doesn't mean that we don't enjoy it, right? Like coming together with people and yes. talking about your product and showing off your skills is such a wonderful thing. Yes. Oh, and I love it. And I love seeing seeing your customers because there's loads of time people come up to you and they say, oh, look, and they, they, they come and show you pictures of things that they made from with your yarn and and or they they tell you their instagram name and then you're like oh (laughs) it's it's you and it's so nice to meet those people in real life and and the other way around because people come up to you and they say oh it's so nice to finally see you and yeah it's just it's so rewarding to to do that that's a great word it is really rewarding yes Yeah, and um, just like it's like meeting people from your. Um, I don't want to use the word tribe because I don't think it's a really good word to use in this way. But maybe clan. That's the same thing. Like people from with a similar that feel like family, right? Yeah, your your kind of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's almost magical, and I really miss that. Um, mm-hmm. that but like I have the, I could like compare having a shop and going to shows and this is going to be a, show, a solo show in the future. But I used to be kind of critical as well about the shows because although I know they're so important for the small businesses, they can kind of get in the way of the, of the local yarn shop. Uh, because people go travel for shows and then spend all their budget uh, on the small businesses that are there. And then the local yarn shop kind of feels that, right? I can, but yeah, th- I can see that's that. kind of a whole different thing. We're not going to go there right now. <laughs> but um, what I so loved about selling your products on the show is that people 
will come especially for you and they already understand what it is that you're doing, what it is that you're trying to uh, say, your message. They they kind of already understand. There's no uh, raus. Like, um, I don't want to call customers clutter, but I've, I've mentioned this before in the podcast that there's um, there's people that don't understand the level of values that you have when selling yarn. They just want a cheap ball of yarn. Mm-hmm. And in a show, they are there because they love what you do. Well, they're and- almost most of the people are actually are real yarn connoisseurs. That yeah, connoisseurs. yeah. And they they understand yeah they understand the value of good yarn yes exactly and that yeah. makes it so fun yes because you don't have to go into this whole um, discussion of price and why it costs what it costs because most of them already understand and they're especially there to get it so mm-hmm. yeah I don't I don't have that comparison no of course, yeah people would never really even get to my website if they're looking for acrylic yarn so yeah no, yeah they no, won't I, even I, land where you are that's true yeah, whereas so, so, if you're a yarn shop in a street people will notice yarn shop and all kinds of uh yarn is expected there so yeah 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 i can i can imagine that oh gosh let's just hope that we can go back to the kind of being together yes. and and sharing the love for what we do with people yeah. that also love it i can't wait and let's do it together together again yes, one day yeah yeah, yeah and in uh, well now and now in your case as well if you only have an online shop people never uh, normally never have the chance to see everything together and exactly. feel it and yeah. and squish it i can i could definitely if somebody says oh i'm so curious for this and this base could could I maybe? Could you maybe send me a sample? I absolutely would do that, but that's nothing compared to just seeing the whole everything together and be able to compare and feel it. So the yarn shows are 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 well for both for both us as uh, business small business owners as the customer, just very important and fun. And you do have some shops that sell your yarn. Yes. Yes, but they ne- of course also never have the whole collection. They never have all the bases. They they choose. But they uh, can like if there's no show, they are basically your your shop windows in the country. Or do you sell worldwide? Do you have uh, shops yeah, worldwide? As well. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have a, a few shops in America now. That that uh, those are the most current ones that I'm uh, I'm working. Uh, with so they they yeah so people in america that's we'll make sure that people know where to find you um but if you could just state uh the your instagram account and your website right now that would be really good okay uh yeah that's both ovis etc so instagram is just ovis etc just all as one word and my website is ovis etc.com great Thank you so much. I think we covered it all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Saskia. Well, thank you. I told you this was going to be a good one. Do you have any questions? After listening to a couple of episodes, do you feel like you are getting the gist of uh, what I'm trying to do with this podcast, A Smaller Life? Did you know that on the website, we have a little button you can click and you can leave a message. I would love it if you go over there and let me know what you think of the episode, if you have any questions, and I'm happy to answer them in another episode. Everything is welcome. If you just want to leave an idea for the podcast, it's just, it's open. Go ahead, leave me a message. Thank you, and I hope you listen again next time. Bye. A Smaller Life is more than just a podcast. It's connected to Javol, an indie yarn and tool shop from Rotterdam in the Netherlands, with an online community that's all about bringing back the consciousness in our crafting practice and businesses. The website is www.ja-wol.com. Find our conscious products, learn more about the free community, and sign up for our Conscious Knitting Club membership and our weekly newsletter. 
you can follow me on Instagram at Rotterdam. If you're a regular listener, consider making a monthly contribution and becoming a sponsor through our Patreon page. If you're able to make a financial contribution, it will mean a lot. The show is free for you, but it's not free to produce. If you own a business that fits the narrative, I will happily make a mini commercial for you. If you are a maker, small business owner, or otherwise experienced in running a business with a conscience, or know someone that fits the description and want to tell my listeners about your experiences, get in touch with me via the website or send me a DM on Instagram. Knowing more and choosing with a conscience makes the world better. If you have any questions about an episode or want to leave a note to me and the other listeners, click the button in the latest show notes on the website and talk. One of the easiest things you can do to support the podcast is to leave an honest review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your choice so you'll never miss an episode. And share it in your social network or even just mentioning it over coffee with a friend. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. Thanks for listening. Bye.